Hi, welcome to the MediBest podcast. Hi there. I'm Angus Chappell. And I'm Evan Stevens. In this episode of Fighting Words, we're going to be talking about the ECS. Our aim is to bring you educational material from a scientific perspective using only reliable sources of data. What is the ECS, the endogenous cannabinoid system or endocannabinoid system? And what happens when it interacts with phytocannabinoids, which are the compounds that cannabis makes and which actually is is what makes it a medicine? So today we're going to deepen the understanding around the ECS and how all of this works and what it means and try to give you an understanding of, of what's going on in your physiology when you have medicinal cannabis as a medicine. So the ECS is really one of the most pivotal health discoveries in science in the last three decades. So imagine if tomorrow we discovered the nervous system for the first time or we discovered the endocrine system or the system of hormones for the first time. That's really the gravitas of this discovery that we're talking about. Yeah, there hasn't been anything before that or since that you know, to that sort of magnitude. That's correct. There. That's correct. And I think, I feel like it's been downplayed a little bit. It's not really yes. common knowledge. And, and by some people, it's been overhyped, all right? So what we need to do is really cut through to the science. At MediBiz, we go through thousands of scientific studies to distill out the value and communicate the most important parts to the people so that you don't have to read thousands of scientific studies. So what is the ECS? Right. The ECS is a system that is focused on keeping your body in balance. So imagine the endocrine system or the system of hormones. The whole purpose of hormones is signaling and communication inside the body. However, the ECS is a very, very microscopic version of this. So you don't like it in the case of adrenaline. Adrenaline is made in the adrenal gland. If we cut people open, we can actually see the adrenal gland, right? but we can't see things, components of the ECS without a microscope, a very powerful, powerful microscope. And we didn't discover it until we had the tools of molecular biology because of this nature, this molecular nature of the ECS is it's based on a bunch of protein receptors, which are microscopic, and a bunch of activated lipids that are the signaling molecules, which are also microscopic. So it is communicating and whenever your body tips out of balance a little bit, it tries to bring your body back into balance. So when we, when we talk about balance, what are we actually talking about? Chemical balance? Yeah, uh, biochemical balance. So it's, the technical term is homeostasis. But basically, that's keeping your body in balance. For example, if you have a little bit of pain, then the ECS will come in to ameliorate that low level of pain. That's what it's there for, but it does many, many things. We now, so when it was initially discovered, we thought, oh, there's a couple of activated lipids and there's a couple of receptors and it's primarily in the central nervous system and the immune system, but we now know that we're talking about many different protein receptors. And yeah, so uh, this is C- CB1 and CB2, the first research that I started be doing yeah. sort of around 2018 was, was talking about two receptors in the body. One in the immune system and one in the nervous system. CB2, yeah. And CB1 and CB2. And one's, one's waiting to talk to THC and one's waiting to talk to CBD. And that, that was it. Yeah, we've come so far yeah. in a short amount of time. But those activated lipids are based upon dietary lipids that we get from our diet. 
So arachidonic acid was the first to be discovered, and that led to the discoveries of anandamide and 2-AG. And then shortly after that, we discovered that palmitic acid and oleic acid, which are two of the components of olive oil, avocados, they were discovered to also, they were activated and becoming active in the system. And then more recently, we've discovered that EPA and DHA, two of the omega-3 fatty acids, essential fatty acids, that they're also becoming activated and playing a role in this system. Yeah, so we'll talk about how it was discovered and and it sounds like these types of things probably wouldn't have been discovered if we hadn't discovered the ECS, obviously, because we, we didn't understand, you know, completely how these things were working. So by discovering the ECS, we're deepening our, our broader understanding in, in what's happening with, with human nutrition. So let's just say that from what I'm reading in the research, the ECS is playing a role, trying to play a role in many different aspects of your health. So like you say, when you when you talk about trying to maintain homeostasis, I think for a broader explanation, from the research that I found, every time we try to apply cannabinoid therapy and cannabis compounds to a condition, we're discovering now that the ECS and in particular some of these cannabinoid compounds are playing a role. So we're talking about a huge range of conditions that the system and the plant together are involved in. And I think that's really, for me, part of the compelling science. The the more we look, the more we discover, like you say, how far-reaching and how intricate it is and how intricately woven it is throughout the body. So in that, it's it's like a an overarching system, would you say, a master controller of sorts? Uh, Some people have actually called it the master controlling system, and that's where I, I like to be a little bit careful. I don't want to say that it's it's driving everything. Mm. For me, it's more of a support network that keeps your body in balance. Yeah. When we talk about the ECS, and like any system in the body, it, it's imperfect. Yeah. So its its design is to do that job, but it doesn't always operate according to its design. And you may have a deficiency, chemical imbalance, or some other type of condition. For example, that you're born with chronic epilepsy. And the system, the ECS system, is unable to function properly like it would in a in a properly formed or, or Yeah, so it's it's trying to keep you in balance, but um, in some cases it's unable to achieve that. And certainly there are both genetic and environmental factors that can influence the, what we call the tone of the ECS. So really that's one of the main things that medicinal cannabis, you know, cannabis as a medicine is trying to achieve is to restore the correct tone of the ECS so that it can, in fact, achieve its purpose and keep the body in balance. Why is it a new discovery? Why did it take so long? How has this suddenly appeared on the radar? How did it, how did it go undiscovered for so long? Centuries ago, in the times of Leonardo da Vinci or Galen, you, know, you were able to cut open a body and see there's a nervous system here, or I, I can see the structure. Well, some of them also vivisected, but I think that yeah. we don't do that anymore. <laughs> well... What we couldn't do is we couldn't see, I mean, we had microscopes, but we didn't have microscopes anywhere near as powerful 
uh, to see these microscopic receptor proteins and the activated lipids. And even once we had those microscopes, we still didn't have molecular biology tools. So molecular biology tools really started to become more uh, valuable and useful from the 80s onwards. So that's really the, the historical event that allowed us to actually discover the endocannabinoid system. And if, we, if it hadn't been for the very devoted cannabis researchers who were looking to find how is cannabis having an, an influence on the body, it may have remained undiscovered for another three decades. So whilst I would rather call it the signaling system of bioactive lipids, I didn't name it. It's uh, very catchy. <laughs> <laughs> I could think of something even more jargon-esque. But anyway, it's called the endocannabinoid system because it was discovered by these very devoted cannabis researchers who had been, for example, Raphael Meshulam, who is considered by many to be a godfather or grandfather of medicinal cannabis research. And actually, him and his collaborators discovered the, the structure of... So back when chemistry was, was doing well in the 60s, they discovered the chemical structure of THC and CBD, but they still didn't understand until three decades later how these things were actually having a biological function in the body. What was the mechanism? And they're still going today. Professor Mishulam is 91, I believe, and he still tours the world and likes to share. He's a very passionate and very driven man, and I like to call him Dr. THC because without people like that, like you say, this, this science may well be still undiscovered. Yeah. So in Israel in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and I suppose forever, they were allowed to study medicinal cannabis and they didn't have any prohibition regulations stopping them. So so they forged ahead and really, as far as I'm concerned, this is sort of this, the forefront, the centre of, of the science because it's they've been at it for quite a while. Yes. And as we'll share further down the line in following episodes, some of the science that comes from, from that group and from that part of the world is extraordinarily compelling, very, very compelling. So it's only recently been discovered because we couldn't see it. We didn't have the eyes. We couldn't actually see it, but it's been there. It's been there much longer than cannabis has been around. And not just humans. That's right. It's in almost every animal on the planet. So it's, it's a physiological blueprint for balance. That's right. Everything that we know that is alive that is an animal that has organs yeah. and chemical factory making chemicals, it's Even there. Fish. Even a fish has an ECS. So we know what it is. We know that it's fairly new. I mean, we were talking the other day about to some people 30 years isn't fairly new. To some people that's a really long time. But when you're talking about science and research and that's right. really putting something together and pulling it back apart and making sure it takes a long time. Yeah. From an initial discovery for science to sort of percolate and mature and then to get through to the mainstream, three decades is fairly standard, if not more. Yeah. So it's new. It's fairly new. In the scientific timeline, it's very new. So that brings me, I suppose, to the interesting part of the show, what does it do? How does it work? Right. So your body takes dietary lipids, 
as we said before. So omega-6s, omega-3s, saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, takes a variety of dietary lipids. And then on the end, it will activate them by putting on an active group. So that might be a glycerol, it might be an ethanolamine, it might just be an amino acid. But it puts on some kind of molecule that changes it from just being a dietary lipid to being an active lipid or a bioactive lipid. And then that will curl around into a hairpin structure and it will, just by nature of its shape and its charge, its electromagnetic charge, it will activate these protein receptors. And that's the reason why phytocannabinoids from plants so cannabinoids from cannabis, but there's other examples too. There's beta-caryophylline from black pepper. So there are other molecules in the plant world that can stimulate these protein receptors and that in the right cases can have a very important health benefit. And so if the endocannabinoid system is making compounds like anandamide or 2-AG, then how is it then that cannabis can replicate that or, or even play a role? How is it doing what it, what it does when it arrives? So it, it comes down completely to shape and electromagnetic charge. So because the molecules in cannabis, different types of cannabinoids, which is why cannabis is not one type of medicine, there's actually potentially 100 different types of medicine coming from the cannabis species. and But these molecules they can stimulate these receptors in the same way as our natural internal ECS bioactive lipids. And it's because they have very similar shape and charge. So is it the same or is it similar? It's similar. So if you looked at the two on a molecular diagram, they would actually look very different because our dietary fats are long chains and cannabinoids are generally, not in every case, but generally a three-ring structure. But when you take a long dietary fat with the active head and you put it around in a hairpin structure, that's when it does look very much, as far as the protein's concerned, uh, it looks very much like a three-ring structure. Mm. Which is all it's looking for. That's it's, right. It's just looking for a particular... Yeah, that's what we call stereochemistry which is really about three-dimensional shapes and charge. The key and the lock. Exactly, the key and the lock. We call it the Fisher key and lock principle. Okay. And so what do you think then is happening in the ECS when it is charged or how would you describe it when you're, you're taking, let's say, CBD? We know that it has anti-inflammatory properties and it can be very calming. What's happening? Is it is it an extra key then for the system? It can't produce its own amount for balance? That's a really interesting question. And unfortunately, it's a very complicated answer. So the same activated lipid can have almost opposite effects depending on activating protein receptors in different tissues. Right. So it's not a black and white answer. So you could be increasing liver activity at the same time as decreasing activity in another tissue type. Right. So it's it's a very complicated answer. It's a very simple question. What's it doing? But it's a well, very it's a very complicated answer because it's it's differing. And this is why it's such an important regulator 
of different tissues. It's also a bit of an indication that it's a fairly long road to go yet. I mean, it's like we say, it's a fairly new discovery. So there's a lot of work to do behind figuring out all of these intricacies. Human physiology is different among humans. The plant has a multitude of, of compounds and, and expressions and profiles of those cannabinoids. So THC might be appearing in, as a 20% of the total compound, uh, the total profile, or it might be 5 or 6% or whatever it is depending on, on the plant, and we'll get to that in another show down the track as well. But all of these cannabinoids, flavonoids, terpenes, are all appearing in different ratios in the yeah, plant. Different ratios and different levels, yes. So we've got two whole worlds, I suppose, of variability. We've got the plant variability and all of the compounds, combinations of compounds, and all of the human variability and all of the combination That's right. of ECS. The tone of the ECS, yeah. I mean, fundamentally what science does is it tries to normalise and go, within this box, if we do the same, we set all of these things the same and we introduce a variable and then we know that the outcome is, you know, solid. Yeah. If you have multitudes of variables, you can't hang your hat on, on any outcome. So this is why it takes so long, right? Yeah, so in science we're always seeking what we call reproducibility. Yeah. So we can continually get a consistent result and... So there is a variable or a number of variables within the plant itself relating to the chemistry, the biochemistry, but also within people, as we said before, there's genetic diversity. We're all very different, but we can actually test for that relatively cheaply, cost-effectively. So we can look at people's genes and some people may respond to cannabis medicines in different ways. And we are living in the genomics era. The Human Genome Project was decades ago. It's, yep. it's now very cheap and effective to do a whole genome. We don't necessarily need the whole genome to give you some information about how you will react with certain and respond with certain enzymes. It's, you know, it's really down in the hundreds of dollars rather than thousands of dollars. It's, yeah. it's very effectively uh, achieved these days. This is tolerability or, or does it uh, relate to efficacy as well? Uh, yeah, all of the above. Yeah. yeah. And there are there is a very small number of people who can potentially have an adverse reaction, but we can test for that. Yeah. So that people have an understanding before they go in. Yeah. One of the things that we're seeing in the science and one of the groups in particular that I'm interested in, in helping with cannabis medicine or cannabinoid therapy, as I'd prefer to call it, I think it breaks it down into a more individual kind of medicine like we were talking about. A lot of people talk about cannabis as being the medicine. And to me, cannabis is the house. That's where the medicine lives. Yeah, it's The plant grows it and it produces it and it's all in there. But what we're finding is that different parts of it work for different things and different combinations of them work for different people. That's right. So it may be that you have a very functional or well-functioning ECS as you're growing up, but as you start to age, effects from aging and effects from your diet and your lifestyle can deteriorate the ECS. That's right, and we see that across a number of systems within the body. Yeah. So it, it is perfectly 
natural for us to understand that the same thing, you know, our body becomes less efficient over time as we age. And, and every ECS cell. Is, that's right. Yeah, every uh, cell is programmed to die at some stage. Some stubbornly refuse. So these are called senescent cells. Some people call them zombie cells. So we have cells that they stop dividing healthily, replicating themselves, but they don't die either. They just sit there taking up space, taking up energy and nutrients. And so that in itself is is not good. Okay. That's it's just sitting there being senescent. But then there's an even worse version where these senescent cells can secrete inflammatory molecules. So that's like the grumpy old grandfather who's making everyone else unhappy that are sitting around him because he just won't stop complaining. Right. Right. So these senescent cells can cause inflammation in healthy tissue. So I think what I find interesting and and compelling is as the ECS ages and we start to see aged care conditions appearing, cannabis is really taking a, a front seat with all of that stuff and, and really you know, really being able to help these people and and improve their quality of life. And one of the things that I know is going to be quite a contentious topic and we probably should do a whole show around it is cancer and all of the various forms of cancer and in particular how cannabis is, is playing a role there. But in particular, really the overarching concept that I'm interested in is the quality of life and how dramatically that can be improved in aged care as the ECS starts to age and not do its job properly. And you may have a great diet. You may be getting loads of omega-3s. Maybe you're not. I think there's, you know, there's the whole picture there. When we talk about cannabinoids and the ECS, it's more than just cannabis as a medicine. That's right. You know, and that's kind of the point of today's show. It's more than cannabis isn't just a medicine. It's either for you or it's not for you or it'll work or it won't work. There's so much to it. And I think when we start to talk about the ECS and how it works, people are probably starting to get an idea now of how intricate it is. So really, to me, the science, the front of the prescribing science is really about the GPs understanding this system in great detail. Yeah. I think there's, there's a bit of catching up to do there so that you can start to play with dosing, with combinations of compounds. To me, if you you don't understand the system fundamentally, then you're sort of, you know, you're sort of guessing a little bit when you're going in for that dosing. And that's kind of the the prescribing method at the moment. Let's try, let's try something small and soft and we'll build it up and we'll see if we can if we can find that point where we're getting some good results and some good efficacy. And so my message to those people, those patients and prescribers would say, would be, don't just try it once and give up and say it doesn't work because it's it's a lot more intricate than that, really. We're still trying to understand for each indication. and Yeah. So, for example, taking chronic pain as an example, you've got the sledgehammer option of opioids and you've got the more nuanced and gentle approach with cannabinoids. So we don't have any of the side effects, any of the dangers associated with opioids. But at the same time, it may take a little while to actually fine-tune in the right type of medicinal cannabis and the right level of dosage. So generally an accepted term across the industry is start low 
and go slow. So you, you slowly build up and you find, because no one wants to see patients being intoxicated and, and it's well documented that there are types of cannabis that uh, lead to people becoming intoxicated. So that's not the goal. The goal is to treat conditions through, through addressing the tone of the ECS and allowing the body to realign itself and get itself back in balance. It may well be that a side effect of that treatment is some intoxication. And this is something that I've heard people talk about. Oh, we don't want THC isn't, isn't medicine. That's the other thing. It's CBD that's the medicine. Well, that's they very are common. both medicines in different, in different contexts. But what we do not want is to be applying a high dose of THC that is in leading patients to be intoxicated. Sure. And actually, on that point, that's another relevant point that I wanted to touch on was the blending of THC and CBD. So the blending of cannabinoids when they arrive at the ECS is a very different response to a single compound. So popularly, the belief is that CBD is a, is a balancer, is a, a modulator for the high that THC produces and also the, the strength and the magnitude of the THC throughout the ECS. So the two receptors in the ECS have a unique job to do. Is that, is that right? That's right. So the receptors are all playing a different role in terms of our biochemistry and our cellular response to the stimulus of certain receptors. And so first of all, let's define what psychoactive means. So some would say CBD is not psychoactive, but it is having an activity in the brain. So from a scientific point of view, it, it's active in the brain. So it is psychoactive, but it, it's not intoxicating. Yeah. That's, that's correct. It's not creating a euphoria or an intoxication. In fact, it will blunt the intoxication potential of THC. So from that psychoactive and intoxicating potential, they can neutralize each other. But from a therapeutic aspect, they actually work synergistically together. And so that's why we see, in some cases, a THC isolate or a CBD isolate, and in some cases, a blend of THC and CBD. And a number of those are different ratios. And increasingly coming onto the market, we're starting to see clinical evidence come from some of the other cannabinoids. Uh, so these are already available and, and we can produce these, but until we have the clinical evidence, we're not going to be prescribing those sure. to patients until we have a sufficient body of evidence to know that not only is it safe, but it's effective. So safety and efficacy are always paramount to everything that we do. These are the less hero compounds, the lower occurring compounds in a plant. That's right. So CBG, CBC, CBN, uh, yeah, CBN is one. THCV. Um, THCV. So the only, the V just means it has a, a shorter tail, yeah. a hydrocarbon tail. Still has exactly the same three ring structure, but it has a shorter hydrocarbon tail. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit of a, a cliffhanger because we're not going to go into cannabinoid science in this episode. This is all about the ECS, the endo or endogenous cannabinoid system that is playing the star role of medicinal cannabis as a medicine. I mean, it's obviously 
responding to all of these other cannabinoids, right? So to say that CB1 is for THC and CB2 is for CBD is actually not correct. That's not. It's a multitude of receptors. It's doing a multitude of roles. And like you say, with your with your dietary compounds as well. And cannabis just happens to be the right compound to act upon that role. Therefore, it's working as a, as a medicine. And if, if enough people in the audience are interested, we could potentially do a blog post or a little information uh, sheet to give people some of the scientific basics on how this is working. Okay, that's a good idea. If, you, if you're keen for that, let us know in the comments and we'll address your, your questions and, and try to make this as, as educational as, as we can. None of this information is designed to be medical advice it's purely information. And if you want more information or if you want to see where we're getting some of this information from, head to the website, medibis.com.au or the YouTube page or likewise Spotify or iTunes, depending on where you're listening to this. There will be some podcast notes. Uh, we'll be citing some of our references and, and elaborating on some of that information. So I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate your time. I know yes. it's important. Thank you. And... We'll see you next time. See you next time.